This is all Mountain Media. Tickets, please. Tickets? Oh, come on, Frank. You know it's me. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you know the rules. They're cracking down on passengers that employees keep sneaking on the route. And my name came up for review. So, so I need to see your ticket. Oh, fine. You're lucky I was able to get one tonight before I boarded. Here. Uh, say, when is the train heading out anyway? I've been sitting here for over an hour. Well, it looks like they're clearing the tracks up ahead. This blizzard is a doozy. I think we should be able to pull out soon. Soon? How soon? I gotta be in Everett in the morning. Get you and everyone else on board. I'll be sure to get back and let you know as soon as I hear. Frank, the conductor, leaves your tiny compartment on the Great Northern Railway, sitting in the depot of Leavenworth, and you're ready to close your eyes for the overnight route over the Cascade Mountains. You've got an important meeting in the port of Everett in the morning, and it's imperative that you get some shut-eye. Finally, after a few gulps of bourbon and a dry bran muffin, you lean back in your seat, pull your hat over your eyes, and fall asleep. Suddenly, you're awakened by the sound of thunder. But unlike normal thunder, the sound keeps going. The rumbling is starting to shake the seat, and you stand up to look out the southern window of your compartment. It's nearly pitch black, but as you squint, you can make out the white hills above you. It looks like steam is rising from the mountains above, and yet it's only coming from one place. The steam rises higher, and then you see it. A wall of white heading your way. The lights of the depot shining on the hills above illuminate a tidal wave of snow coming right at you. You're frozen with fear. In your mind's eye, you see the face of your brother, hear the voice of your mother, feel the touch of your father. This is the end. The wall of snow slams into the train three cars back. Your car starts to flip backwards, and you feel your back slam against the door leading to the corridor. The glass on the door breaks, and sharp pain enters the back of your neck. The train continues to roll, tossing you around the car like a ragdoll. You try to scream, but you can't make a sound. A blinding flash of white smashes through the window of your car with a deafening crash, and all goes black. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. Then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do. But with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters. And it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? 
it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash PNW. That's betterhelp.com slash PNW. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Media, I'm your host and writer, Russ Blackmore, and this is Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest, Season 1, Ghosts and Shadows of Leavenworth, a four-part series that will take you into the unknown history of the quaint Bavarian mountain town in central Washington state. This is Episode 1, The Dying Hotel. Driving through the foothills of the Cascade Mountain Range in central Washington state, you feel a presence of something old, of something ancient. It's not necessarily a scary thing, just a thing of unknown origins, a thing of history that floats about you, a thing of beauty. From Interstate 5 heading north from Seattle on the western side of the state, you travel over U.S. Route 2, a winding road with dark shadows covering the pavement and reaching for your vehicle with every turn. The haunting past of this road will tell you stories even if you can't hear the words. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, this route was a wagon road, built for explorers, miners, traders, and railway workers. Originally on the land of the Yakima, Wenatchee, and Chinook tribes, hunters and gatherers used this route to commute between villages, small logging towns, and mining camps. As the railways were developed over time, the road was becoming more and more frequented by those either heading out to the Washington coast or those headed back east toward the towns of Spokane and Cooley. On November 11, 1926, the U.S. government gave the go-ahead, and Highway 2 went from the deep ruts of mud and rocky stone to a cleared pathway over the mountains accessible by motorized vehicles. The average speed of self-propelled vehicles was no more than 20 miles per hour if lucky, and travelers would take a handful of days to make the journey. Following the Skykomish River that heads west from the Cascade Mountain Range, visions of a haunted past come to mind. As you head east and up Stevens Pass, the pine, cedar, and spruce trees begin to change. They start to spread out. As the logging industry has used these hills for over a century and shipped lumber back to the Port of Everett just north of Seattle, you can tell that this land is well maintained, despite the clear cuttings that once strangled these hills. If you look close enough, you might see a deer, an elk, a brown bear, or possibly even a mountain lion. Bald eagles and crows soar overhead. 
Heading back down the eastern decline of the Cascade mountain range, the flora and fauna change. Pine trees are even more spread out. You could actually walk through the forest anywhere without struggling over the land and underbrush that blankets the western side of the Cascades. It's as if someone has flipped a switch, changing the landscape immediately. In the summer, the smell of dried pine needles and freshly turned dirt fill the air. In the autumn, decaying leaves and mist enter your nose as you breathe in. Winter brings frozen air and 10 to 30 feet of snow, and the spring conjures raging waters and snowmelt, threatening to flood the sides of each riverbank. As you look around, the landscape reminds you of a film you once saw. A film with a nun that moves in with a large family in the 1940s and teaches the children to sing. Ah yes, the sound of music. Dame Julie Andrews gracing the silver screen. The eastern side of the Cascades is a spitting image of the Austrian countryside. These hills are definitely alive with the sound of music. The road continues to wind, the trees hover above you, and the crisp breeze gives you a sense of rebirth and rejuvenation. You round a corner on Highway 2, and there it is, the town of Leavenworth. Each building looks like it's out of a storybook. You expect to see Hansel and Gretel skipping along the side of the road, or long locks of golden hair falling from an open window where Rapunzel is locked away. This is the perfect setting for any story by the Brothers Grimm. It's magical, peaceful, and serene. As you pull up to an empty parking spot next to the Bavarian chocolate store, Chocolat, the sense of fresh baked pastries, fudge and chocolate, and nearby pubs fills the air. This is paradise. Leavenworth, Washington was once known as Icicle Flats, largely due to the freezing river that flows on the southern side of the town, Icicle Creek. In 1885, Icicle Flats was established as a trading post. Settlers came to this small village to trade with the Yakima, Wenatchee, and Chinook tribes. As the Wenatchee River and Icicle Creek merged near the town, the tribes would use this as an area to catch and gather salmon and hunt deer and elk. Gold, farmland, and fur was the pursuit of pioneers in this area, and for some, it still is. In 1893, the Great Northern Railway laid tracks near the town of Icicle Flats, and the town began to boom. Stakes were claimed on the surrounding lands, and a new economy was born. The largest sawmill in the country was in rapid production. Known as the Lamb Davis Sawmill, hundreds of workers found their calling and made their living by harvesting the trees in the surrounding mountains. In 1904, Captain Charles F. Leavenworth purchased the town and moved its central location one mile north into what is now known as the city of Leavenworth. And with the move, the economy continued to flourish. But this would not last. In 1910, one of the nation's worst railway disasters took place, known as the Wellington Train Disaster. An avalanche claimed 96 souls after a severe blizzard rocked the scene with over a foot of snow falling per hour. Two trains, a passenger train and a mail train on their way from Spokane to Seattle, were trapped. A warm rain and wind rolled in, and just after 1 a.m. on March 1st, an avalanche nearly half a mile long raced downward toward the railroad depot, sending passengers, crew members, and railway employees hurtling into the river valley below. After a slow death of a dying economy and hesitant travelers, the railway closed down in 1920, and opportunities for work and commerce began a painful demise that would last for decades, until the 1960s, when everything changed. In 1962, two entrepreneurs, Bob Rogers from Seattle and Ted Price from Portland, Oregon, decided it was time to resurrect this dying town. They had a love for the landscape of Bavaria and figured if they created a small version of a mountain town in Austria, tourism would flood the area. 
bringing new life and hope to the town and bolstering the economy once more. They drew up plans, borrowed from as many banks as they could, and put the town's people to work, recreating the architecture in a Bavarian style. And it worked. Nearly one million tourists visit the small town each year, and if you head there on a weekend, get ready to stand in line at every shop, or wait for a table at the numerous pubs and bakeries. But the wait is worth it. Breweries, bakeries, art galleries, wine tasting rooms, Sasquatch-themed stores, and even a Nutcracker museum line the main street. Fast food restaurants, franchise coffee shops, and grocery stores all sport the Bavarian look. And if you're lucky, the year-round Christmas shop will welcome you in with sounds of Bing Crosby singing White Christmas, even in the hot months of July. October 2009. As you round the corner, you see a main street lined with people, dogs, outdoor seating, and a huge maypole in the town center. It's Oktoberfest, and upa bands and polka music fill the air. Barmaids carry huge steins of lager to the jovial crowd, and you grab a seat near one of the pubs. Hey, hey, uh, what's all this about? What's all this about? It's Oktoberfest! Oh, all right. I've never been to Germany, so, so this looks great. Well, my friend, you don't need to go to Germany or Austria to experience Oktoberfest. This is just as good. But cheers! Uh, yeah, cheers. Uh, or should I say, prost. You click your steins together, take a huge swig of lager, and start singing along with the crowd, swinging your beer to and fro. After a few hours, and more than a few steins, it's time to head to the hotel, where you've booked a single night. Your head is swimming, and you keep singing one of the polka songs called Ein Prosit, which was shouted by the crowd and polka band every half hour. You round the street corner and walk up to Hotel Edelweiss, a quaint hotel with a beautiful facade. <laughs> ah, the hotel. Man, I'm spent. As you enter the lobby, you walk up to the desk, where a young woman dressed in the dirndl greets you with a smile. Checking in? Yep, I'm ready for a nice long sleep. <laughs> I bet. Quite a riot out there. She hands you a room key, and you head up to your room, ready for a great night repose. As you climb into bed, you hear a small sound coming from the other side of the room entry door. It sounds like a piano. You don't remember seeing a piano in the lobby. Maybe someone is just playing a tune over the speakers. Regardless, it's soothing, and as you fall asleep, you see images of a lonely piano player in a dark room entering your mind. You're awakened by a few thumping sounds on the other side of the door, some arguing coming from a room nearby, and yet you can't understand where these sounds are coming from. You didn't see anybody else in the lobby, and all the lights were off in all the windows. Maybe it's just your imagination. Then again, maybe not. This episode is sponsored by Pride Counseling. 
We live in a world of mystery, of unanswered questions, of constant bombardment from endless opinions and, mostly, from questions within ourselves. I've taken advantage of online therapy and have seen the benefits as a professional, a father, a spouse, and a friend. And without the help from online counseling, I would most likely still be stuck in the ruts of uncertainty and bleakness. We all struggle with our own true nature at one point or another, or we know someone who has. Therapy can be the difference between happiness and overwhelming darkness. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists that are LGBTQIA friendly. These counselors and therapists have at least three years of experience, at least 2,000 hours of hands-on experience, and are qualified and certified by their state's professional board. All you need to do is go to pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Fill out a questionnaire, get matched with the counselor who is perfect for you, and you can start counseling today. It's more affordable than in-person counseling. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone or computer. And you can schedule live video, phone or text sessions with your counselor as well. With Pride Counseling, you're not wasting time traveling, and if you don't vibe with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch. Best of all, you connect from the comfort of your home. Half the battle of getting into counseling is getting to the counselor, and Pride Counseling eliminates that hassle. Plus, a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community are not comfortable talking to a therapist in person out of fear of discrimination, or perhaps they just don't have access to a therapist that specializes in what they're struggling with. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. That's P-N-W-P-O-D. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. In 1907, a small hotel was erected called Hotel Franklin. For as little as a dollar a night, you could experience the luxuries of extra-long bedsheets, warm baths, and evening meals hot from the kitchen. Later, electricity was added to the features. If you were up to it, you could even take a dance lesson offered at the hotel by the owner and strut your skills on the tiny dance floor on the first level of the building. But the short-lived success of Hotel Franklin would soon die out. The hotel began to see its demise until U.H. Letwich gained ownership. He renamed the establishment Hotel Chickaman, and ownership continued to change hands every other year for the next 10 years. During that time, visitors would come and go, hoping to enjoy repose from the outdoors, but often find themselves in a rundown room, lacking electricity, and disappointed with the decor. In the fall of 1912, D.S. Moore, an investor from California, traveled through Leavenworth. He fell in love immediately, stating, quote, Since leaving California, I have traveled all over the United States looking for a location, and Leavenworth looks better to me than any other place I have visited in my travels. End quote. 
three years later, he changed the name back to its original, Hotel Franklin, and set to completely renovate the building. He would offer hot and cold water in 14 of the 23 rooms. He rebuilt the front desk area. Piano music played on the luxurious phonograph he had placed near the reading lounge. As the owner of a mine in the hills of northern Idaho, Moore needed to see to his Inland Empire endeavors, and so the hotel, once again, changed hands. Moore always considered Leavenworth his home, and often came back to the area for a retreat from the ills of the mining industry. In 1915, ownership changed hands once again. This changing of proprietorship was something the locals expected and carried on through the 1960s. Changing names from Hotel Franklin to Chickaman Hotel to The Franklin, and finally arriving at its current name, Hotel Edelweiss. Those that have owned the hotel have left their personal touches on the building. Rumor is, some of them still do. Loose Camp, the original builder of the hotel, was known to have fallen in love with the area so much that he refused to leave, even though his mining ambitions took him far from the town he adored. And with so many proprietors over the years, it's no wonder that guests and employees have multiple stories of entities they can't explain. At night, it has been reported that piano music will quietly be played. With no piano in the lobby, no record player or radio in sight, one has to wonder, could this be the ghost of Mrs. Westbrook? As the dance instructor, she took pride in enticing patrons of the hotel with the promise of social calls as per the dance instruction and engaging in personal connection with each guest. She was a simple woman, but yet elegant at the same time. With a dress from the Victorian era, Mrs. Westbrook would welcome her guests into the hotel lobby, guide them to their rooms, and would invite them down to the lobby later for an evening of gliding around the dance floor. This was a repose for those making their way across the Cascades or simply trying to make their way in the world. Other entities have been seen wandering the halls of Hotel Franklin or Edelweiss Hotel. At night, employees have stated seeing figures clad in Victorian-era clothes, walking side by side and engaging in silent conversation. The hotel, still on the land of the original built by Loose Camp, may be home to those that cannot be seen, but make themselves known during times of their choosing. Perhaps these are the shadows of those that perished in the avalanche of 1910. Perhaps these are those that have not moved on and find themselves trapped between worlds. It's stated that most of the passengers that died on March 1st of 1910 did so while they were asleep. Do they know that they passed away? Are they still looking for lodging? And this takes us back to the story of D.S. Moore. He loved Leavenworth and chose never to leave unless forced by business endeavors, which is exactly what happened as he saw to his mining endeavors elsewhere. And with his return to the area frequently, he would often find times to sit in the hotel lobby, watch the comers and goers, and drink in the surrounding hills that made this town so desirable. He had no intention of leaving permanently. Visitors to the hotel have frequently mentioned they have observed a lonely man walking the halls, talking to himself. He is dressed in a suit circa 1920s and twirls his mustache as he moves about. Is this D.S. Moore? Could it be the shadow of a man who loved this building so much that he truly could never leave it? And could he be the source of the distant piano music playing in the background? We will never truly know. But what we do know is that lumberyard tragedies, transient mining workers, and train catastrophes have rocked the history and the town 
of Leavenworth. Within the hotel, hangings and shootings have occurred. Little is known about these events, but with so much turnover in economy and commerce coming to a standstill, occupants of the town often found themselves searching for lodging and food by any means possible. The lumberyard, once being the largest in the United States, had shut down and sent hundreds of workers out into the hills. Not everyone had the means to farm, to hunt, to gather. Many turned to crime and the town, while now in its heyday of tourism and Bavarian culture, was not always a safe place to be. With such a history and such a tragic line of events, it's no wonder that the unsettled feeling still lingers in the town, but is overpowered by a sense of pride. Leavenworth is a town of beauty, and Hotel Edelweiss, while wrought with a scattered past of events, is still standing, but to what would surely be the disappointment of the owners of the past, the hotel is no longer hosting guests. It has closed its doors permanently, shops taking over the first floor area. What would Loosecamp or more think of this? Are they still roaming the halls, looking to take care of guests? Is Mrs. Westbrook searching for a dance partner? Or have they moved on? The next time you're in Leavenworth, walk by the building. Stop and look at the facade. Picture yourself trapped in the building in between worlds, wandering around and looking for guests that never seem to appear. And by all means, make sure you consider the possibilities of what is inside and what could be watching you through the windows. You might just hear a lonely piano playing while Mrs. Westbrook dances alone in the shadows. Next time, on Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest, we travel back to Leavenworth and experience the tragic fires that destroyed the town in the early 1900s, leaving residents homeless, scarred for life, or even deceased. Businesses failed, shop owners left, and the unknown history of a town once booming was left to its own demise. And the miners of the hills bring their stories of hauntings. Thanks for listening to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. If you like the show, please give it a 5-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends and family. You may enjoy my other podcast, Something Cryptid This Way Comes, where we dive deep into the creatures of the Pacific Northwest and beyond, and you are immersed into stories that will set your hair on end. 
It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Visit us online on Facebook and Instagram. There are links in the comments. You can also listen to new episodes early at ommstories.com. And be sure to check out our membership program, OMM Plus, today. If you'd like to learn more about the town of Leavenworth, I recommend the book Leavenworth, Images of America by Rose Kinney Holk. For Old Mountain Media, I'm your host, Russ Blackmore, writer, producer, and sound engineer. Special thanks to Kira Rugen for our closing music. You can learn more about Kira and her music at www.kirarugen.com. See you next time.